This is the Chromatic Voices Podcast, a storytelling project about people's voices and their color, as heard and seen by me, a synesthete. A friend, a colleague, a real estate developer, and a seeker of the next good thing. A complex human that wears his emotions on his sleeve and isn't afraid to shout it from the rooftop. A living, breathing, walking example of the saying, the truth will set you free. Who am I? This is an interesting way to start. I think you'll figure out who people are by the way they answer that question. That's um, the reason why there's... I, I am a, a soul that is lost and constantly trying to find comfort that being lost is the best place to be. That's who I am. My name is Jeff, 40 years old. I grew up in this area. I'm a Christian. Those are things that I am, but who I am is a lost soul trying to engage with the journey and ignore the destination. Hmm. What are some of the choices you've made that have made you who you are? It's, um, no one talks to me this way. So I have, you know, two cups of coffee every day with people that are looking for things from uh-huh. me, looking for guidance, advice, a direction, uh, an ear to, to just listen to them. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I don't know. I, I don't even know how to answer that. What are the choices that I've made? I think I um, I made a decision probably, when did I first make the decision? Like when was it? I think, right, let's say 10 years ago. I made a decision 10 years ago mm-hmm. that I was going to shift from being a person that existed in the world that we're told we should exist in. Mm-hmm. And uh, I shifted to being a risk taker. That's the biggest decision I made. I left a government job that I would have been able to retire from when I was 50 something. I cashed in my retirement plan so I had no safety net and I went to go work in an industry I didn't understand and I had never had any interest in working in. And then three years later, I did it all again without a safety net and relying relying on at the time what I thought was only myself and saying and trusting in myself that I could go do something. That's who I was. Those are the decisions I've made. Since I made that decision in March of 2013 to to go to go alone, right? And I use quotations because it's so, such a false thing. That's the biggest decision, and then every every moment from that standpoint, everything everything since then has been about the same thing. I am a risk taker, and sometimes I do it too much. Sometimes I do it not enough. But my life and my story will always revolve around risk. What would you say to 18 year old Jeff today? People are going to like you and it's okay. <laughs> so who was 18-year-old Jeff? Because he's a lot different than this guy. Insecure, unsure of his place in the world, uh, war, arrogance as a defense in some circles, and shyness as armor in others. If you told me that uh, 18-year-old Jeff's dream job was like, I'll go be a sports writer for somebody you told that guy that he would have 150 employees and nine digits of asset i wouldn't believe it um i was a average student at best that struggled with the fact that 
I was goofy and lacked self-love. I have carried that for the last 20 plus years. And sometimes I'm good at faking it. Mm -hmm. Um, But faking it is like, that's the weight of the lie. It always comes back to you. Um, And you always have to answer to that eventually. And I've spent a lot of my adult life being really good at some things and really poor at other things. Both of them are related to that. So it's tricky, right? Because like sometimes the, the insecurity is what can allow you to be a risk taker. I heard a really amazing quote earlier in the week from Madonna where they asked her what drives her. And she said she was always afraid of being a mediocre human being and that she would reach a point where she would go beyond mediocrity and then the self-doubt would creep back in mm-hmm. and she would you know, push herself to another level. I, I connected that in a very real way. Um, I used to say that it was fear that drove me. Mm-hmm. I said that for a really long time. I hate that I said it. I hate that I meant it. I hate that it was probably true. Um, Why? Why do you hate that? Well, if you put if you put your faith or your energy, whatever word you want to use to describe the universal power that makes things happen, mm-hmm. if you put your faith in something of the world, it's gonna be it's gonna shake. There's no foundation to it, right? Mm-hmm. If for me it's love, and I've always chased love as a as something to like make me feel better about me. Something I valued was like I got from another person. I did it with work for a long time. Mm-hmm. I did it with my hobbies for a very long time. I've done it with music. I've done it with sports. I've done it with my writing. I've done it with my generosity. I've placed all of these things at one point or another above everything else. And all because I was afraid I would be viewed as something I'm not. That's what drove me. That all comes crashing down at some point. Mm-hmm. And you have, to, you have to have a reckoning with yourself. You know, to the outside world, who am I? Like if I throw my question back at you, like who do you think I am? And I ask this to different people, I'd get I'd get a lot of positive responses, mm-hmm. right? I think that if you divided the room into people who like me and don't like me, there's gonna be more on the like me side. But how accurate are those things? They're accurate in the, oh, he's the guy who gave away $50,000 for him. Strangers, like he's a generous person. I, I am a generous person, but like that doesn't, that's not mm-hmm. who I am, it's what I've done. done. Mm-hmm. So, I don't even know what question I started answering, um, but the stream of consciousness has gotten me to this point. Let's say that you're writing a letter to yourself to read in five years. What would that letter say? It's an awesome question because if you're honest with yourself, it's going to change every day. What you're writing down is going to be an emotional response to how you're feeling that day. And so I would pause first and, to, and, and tell myself to write the letter with only my core values intact uh, and write it from that space. So if I was writing myself a letter, it would say, Dear Jeff, don't be a friggin' idiot. You <laughs> understand who you are as a person. You understand who you are as it relates to your relationship with God. And that's what you need to be tracking on. If you have veered off of that path, it is not too late to turn back around. Turn back around right now. If you are on that path, go finish the race strong. Love, Jeff. It's so interesting. So you are like 125th person I've done this interview with. You're one of two people who have answered the question with dear name. Really? That's interesting. What does that say? How do, yeah. how do most people answer? They just answer with like sort of like what they hope to gain or do in the next five years and sort of look back at yourself. But like no, only you, you and Lon have been the two people that I started with. Was the answer similar philosophically to what I said of like? Yeah, actually. Not really thinking back on it. Yeah. I, you know, I would be interested in asking this person, maybe you would ask them like, do they write a lot of letters? I write a lot of letters. Like I write letters to people all the time. 
And so if I'm writing a letter to them, whether it's in a text, right, which is our 2020 form of a letter, yeah. or an email or an actual letter, I'm specifically thinking about one person I do this with. I always write dear and then the mood that is striking me, right? Because we have different names for different people, right? Mm -hmm. uh, or we have different names for the same person. When we're composing said letter. And so like for me, it's like dear Jeff, because like yeah. that's who I am. And that's who I, but I'm sometimes not, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes I'm Jeffrey. Sometimes I'm Jeffrey spelled wrong. And sometimes I'm Mr. Real. Like, um, but like to me, like I want to be Jeff. I'm this guy who's sitting here talking to you. Yeah. In a very, I'm in a space where I've had, I have more self awareness now than I've ever had. And like, if I won an Oscar right now, it would probably come off like Joaquin Phoenix like, and people would be like, that guy's nuts. And ignore the fact that most of what I was saying is right. Yeah. But just not culturally sound. Uh -huh. uh, and ignore it. Are you creatively satisfied? I have a tough time with creativity. Why is that? Because I consider myself to be an incredibly creative person. I work in an industry that is the exact opposite, right? Like if you tell somebody you're a real estate developer, like I'm not creative. And yet I spend all my time looking at something that exists and knowing that I have to make it something different. Mm -hmm. I have incredible creative outlets mm -hmm. that allow me to explore my creativity. But I have... I have a tough relationship with creativity because I thrive on I thrive on interpersonal creativity. So I'm in a really great space and like I think most great artists aren't like that, right? Like the great artists, the great authors, the great sculptors, like they they work alone, they're loners, they're like they're in their art. And my creativity comes out when I'm with someone that has similar energy that I do. Mm -hmm. And it explodes and we create really interesting things. Why did you decide to do the work that you are doing today? Did you decide? Was it decided for you? It definitely wasn't decided for me. You know, there's like, there's the momentary answer of like, well, this happened and I thought I could do it. So I went and did it. Mm -hmm. right? But I've had moments over the last couple of years where I could have walked away from it. Mm -hmm. um, it was working well enough where I didn't need to do it. So why do you like, why do you go from like, when I quit my job, I was like, I'm going to do $1 million project a year. And I'll have a very small group of people and we'll do a million dollar project a year. And after 10 years, I'll have 10 $1 million projects that each cash flow enough that I'll make a really good amount of money and like be able to choose which path I want to take. Mm. That was in 2013. That was the, that was the plan. How do you go from wanting to do a million dollar project a year to in 2019, we did over $110 million alone. What? It's ludicrous. It's like, what's a stupid thought. So I want to answer it by saying like, well, I saw a need and this is true, but it's gotta be something deeper than this. I saw a need. I love our cities. I want people to be proud of this place. And so I went on and tried to fix it. And like, what, what are my real skill sets? I'm decent at math and I know where people want to live. Are those skill sets or is that just knowledge? That's why I do it, right? Like you do it because you're good at it. And I think I'm, I'm probably pretty good at it, but I don't, I want there to be something more like I, we joke all the time that I'm the soul of our company, right? Cause I'm sitting there and like, you know, I'm working better lease terms for tenants I really want because I think they improve the, you know, the, the public side of the project. And I'm, you know, engaging with people like Jessica and like hiring her to like, mm -hmm. right, like we have a good vibe about us. Um, I don't know why I'm doing what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And it's probably why I don't find a ton of fulfillment in work. I had a really great conversation on Monday with a friend who's like, somebody asked me why I don't ever get excited when I do something. And he's like, well, I decided to do it because I knew I could do it. I'm like, I don't get excited about my own execution. I wouldn't have done it if I didn't think I was going to execute. So what excites you? Nothing. <laughs> I've had an excitement and I have had a very difficult relationship. And since my sister passed away in April of 2016, I've been excited one time. 
Now, that doesn't mean I'm not happy. Uh-huh. doesn't mean I don't feel joy. doesn't mean I don't have months where I feel no pain. It just means that I don't get excited. Mm-hmm. Life's different for me. I don't know how to get excited. Do you think it's because you have, in a way, unattached yourself from an outcome of an action? And you're just like, you live your life as you wish to live it, as opposed to seeking that? I don't know. It's like the other word that comes to mind when we start talking about excitement is expectation. And your excitement is different than my version. Yeah, everybody's everybody's excitement is going to be different. So like, let me run a scenario by you. You are madly in love with your best friend and you chase this person for years. This is a true story. And then one December day after saying, expressing how you feel for three years, this person says to you, I'm, I'm ready to try this. And you're in like a sushi restaurant on a Sunday night at nine o'clock. And this dream you've had for years is happening right in front of you. And you stand up and you kiss this person and all of their walls fall down. And there's an instantaneous love that is palpable. You can feel the energy going back and forth. Wouldn't this make you excited? No. Okay, so it didn't make me excited. Instead, it had the opposite reaction. I got scared. And all of a sudden, the only thing I knew how to do was be fearful that I would lose this thing that I had. That's why the answer to your question about why I hate the concept of fear driving me is like, if fear is the only thing that's driving you, then you can't be excited about anything because you're only trying to survive. What animal do you identify or associate yourself with? Um, And why? How many people answer with only one animal? 95%. I have two. Um, One is a lion. Might be that I'm a Leo. Um, might be the pride associated with being a lion. I don't know what it is other than I look at a lion and I'm just like, that's a proud animal. And like, you'll walk with your head up. And I sometimes want to be that person mm-hmm. and fail. The other animal is a giraffe, which I think is probably goes back to when I was like eight years old and I was already like six feet tall. <laughs> and I was just like this gawky thing. And then I saw a giraffe in person and was just, it's such a, a majestic animal. And it walks at a slow pace. So like when I'm, when you ask me what animal I uh, associate myself with, I actually associate myself with animals that have characteristics that I want, but no, don't necessarily have. Um, so when you think about a giraffe, it moves very slowly. Um, it takes its time. It's very graceful. I'm a little too scatterbrained and all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an interesting answer, I guess. A lion and a giraffe, both of which I don't think I am. It's interesting because if I'm not mistaken, a lion wants to giraffe. Yeah, I mean, uh, one is a carnivore and one is an herbivore. That's interesting. I wonder what people would say about me. Probably like a dodo bird. Interesting enough, I have not had a, a line or a giraffe as an answer. What? What do people say? All sorts of things. What did Tom say? Do you remember? I think Tom said bear or wolf. I was literally going to say I bet Tom said bear. I think it was either bear or wolf. Bear was on my mind. I bet he said bear. Yeah, bear or wolf. I think it was bear or wolf. What is the smell of your childhood? The smell of my childhood? Always my parents' house, right? And my mom's cooking. I have this very, very weird thing where I don't grocery shop. I eat all my meals out. So if you're eating, if you're eating, we'll round it because it's close enough. If you're eating a thousand meals a, day, a year, I eat 950 of them out. My lifestyle, it's what I've chosen. But when I go to my parents' house, instinctually, the first thing I do is walk into their kitchen and see what they have to eat. And it's not because I'm hungry. I, I, I don't eat out and I'm starving, like I'm well fed, but it's just what I do, right? So mm-hmm. like when my mom bakes something instantaneous, I also want to say a summer day. I love my summers when I was a kid. Um, I grew up in a generation where we, I don't know, it's not old, but like we still played outside. 
Um, I was like the generation that like video games were being introed. And when we got a Nintendo, it was like, what is this? Right. Yeah. And like we had to strike weird balance, but we played hide and seek every night. The summertime in particular, my summer when I was 13 and 14, like where like we had this really, it's, it was a life change moment for me. I, I, um, there were four of us and we were all very close. We lived next door to each other on the street that had a boulevard, but it was like right off of Hoosick Street in Troy. So it was mm-hmm. very busy. And, you know, the summer before our 13 year old summer, um, I think we played tennis every day, played mm-hmm. basketball every day and played hide and seek every night. That was what we did. We were 13 year old boys. And the summer when we were 14, a week after summer started, a girl moved next door and her name was Heather and everyone loved her. And we all fought over her and one of us got her and your innocence is lost then. And so much of what I have, what I deal with today on like an anxiety level, I can trace back to that summer. And when I'm in the summer, like, you know, in a couple of months when it gets really warm out and you take it in, like I'll have the flashback to that summer and like what happened to me that summer, like, of like you were forced to grow up and, uh, yeah, so interesting. I'm more of a taste guy though. Like when you say, what do you smell? I instantly go like, well, if I taste a raspberry, it sends me back to when I was eight years old. Any other taste? Take back to your childhood? Cottage cheese. My grandmother, when, like, you know, day after school, we'd go to my grand, my grandmother's house and she, we would watch Prices Right. Yes. And lunch would be like a scoop of cottage cheese with fruit cocktail on top of it, pepper, and a row of crackers around it. So you could, like, yes. dip the cracker up. And I still eat that to this day as, like, a 40 year old adult. I ate cottage cheese last night for dinner. And your group of friends, what role do you play? I have no idea. I don't even know that I have friends. Really? I have a handful of friends, mm-hmm. but I mean, if you look at my, we often, our friends are often are um, a byproduct of our life, mm-hmm. right? So the friends I just talked about when I was a teenager, I'm like, I don't speak to any of them ever. Mm-hmm. The friends I had in college, I have one with a group, a group chat that's like, cool. And all of the friends that I had prior to me being 25, mm-hmm. right? So they're all married, they all have kids and I'm married and I don't have kids. So my friends become a byproduct of my work. Mm-hmm. And are they friends or are they like colleagues and acquaintances? Um, so I have, I have a few close friends, but I don't have a group of friends, right? Mm-hmm. Like if, if somebody was to say, you're going to go on um, a vacation with all your friends, pick the eight friends that are going with you, I'd get to two. And then I'd have to go into a different, a different set of people for a different reason. Yeah. So I don't think I play a role. Um, I think I naturally, I'm a leader. Um, so I remember it's interesting because... The, last, the one time I did go on like a group vacation, it was like mm-hmm. 2000, 2010, so it had been 10 years ago. And like six of us went away for five days fishing. And 10 years later, of the six of us, the only person I've talked to that went on that trip in the last two years is my brother. And we were all close enough to go fishing. It was crazy. I took a different path. And I'm not, it's not a, oh, he made, he made good and he went on this and like forgot where he's from. You know, a couple of them I don't talk to because they hurt me. One of them doesn't talk to me because I hurt him. When someone comes to you for help, what do they need help with? Most of the time these days, they need help with, with work. People have a very interesting view of me because mm-hmm. I've had publicly exposed jobs in my life, right? Newspaper reporter, spokesperson for the mayor, and now like I own the biggest real estate company in the capital district. How did that happen? And I think that people see that and are like, how that happened? And like fire me up, engage with me. I will say lately, um, I've been putting myself out there more emotionally and I've been having some deep, meaningful conversations on a spiritual level and on a personal level. These are things that when I'm in a good mental place, I thrive on. Mm-hmm. And when I'm in a poor mental place, I fell, I fall flat on my face. 
And so I'm cognizant of what kind of energy I'm giving people. Because for a very long time, I promised people energy of like, I will have this energy forever. And, and then I don't. So it's a mix, but mostly work at this point. On the flip side of that, when you need help, yeah. what do you need help with? It's funny. I need help with work all the time, but I'm too, I'm too um, scared to ask. <clears throat> because when you enter into a leadership position, you have to be the person who's unafraid. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's difficult to ask for help. I always am in need of mental help. Uh, my mental health is, is the shakiest ground in my life. I would not be the person I am sitting here today without my therapist. Mm-hmm. Um, he's the most, he's like a top five important person in my life. And I sometimes need help separating out my emotions uh, when I'm wounded. I wear it on my sleeve. I can be dangerous. How do you figure out your triggers for your mental health? It gets you in there yeah. and shaky. Part of, the, part of like the, the brilliance of who I am, I'm learning to talk of myself in very positive ways, right? Like don't mm-hmm. diminish yourself. And like I can say that I'm brilliant without being egotistical. Mm-hmm. And the brilliance of my mind is that it's always working. The worst part of my mind is that it's always working. And so when I'm living in too much fear, my brain short circuits logical thinking and I tell myself a story and I create realities that don't exist. And when my brain is working really well, I tell myself stories and I create realities that don't exist. Um, so the things that allow me to start a real estate company with literally no money and turn it into what it is today is a byproduct of this crazy brain and we're story-based individuals. We want to hear a story. We want to be, we want to be those narratives. Yeah. That's the narratives, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm really good at the narrative. Problem is, I'm also really good at a narrative with myself. And <clears throat> when I get inside of my head and lean into the fear-based side of what if, what if, what if, and I choose at that point, it's like you fight or flee. It's an incredible trigger for me. And so I've had to, this is new, but like I have to learn how to live well through it because I can't change it. If I change it, if I try to medicate it away, I'm no longer the person that I am. So the option is to live well through it. Not just get through it, not escape it, but to like be in it and be patient and understand these. this is how I'm going to get out of this. And then when you get out, be thankful, be full of gratitude, move on. And embrace yourself. This will happen again. It will happen again, yeah. Let's say that there's a movie being made of your life. Yeah. Limited budget, favorite director, full of spank. What scene would you not want in that movie? That's an interesting way of asking anybody if they have any regrets. I have so many regrets. I used to answer that question with, I don't have any regrets. I have so many now. And yet I can't answer. I would take this one out because whatever I took out would be be missing a piece of who I became. So I think the important way to answer that question is if somebody was making a movie about me, I would want to be truthful. And if I want to be truthful, it's going to be like, you know, an obnoxiously long Peter Jackson movie. I could very easily say like, you know, in October of this past year was a low point of my life. And... I scared a person with my inability to control my emotions. I scared a person I love deeply and pay for it the rest of my life. And yet two days ago, I prayed and said, thank you for that moment. Because if I went on without that having happened, mm-hmm. I would never be a good husband or a good father or a good leader. And everything I've learned from October to now is a result of that moment. So how does that moment that I would carry the most shame for? How do you leave it out of the movie? Right? Mm-hmm. There's got to be a, every movie has that between part two and part three, where you're like, oh, I wish that wasn't in there. I was really enjoying this movie, right? But like without the strife, uh-huh. there's no good story. Yeah. Right? If I just lived happily ever after with Nicole and never had to like go through the pain of like understanding who I actually am, that's a boring movie. Uh-huh. I wouldn't take one out. So on the flip side of that, which scene would you be most excited about? Sitting here today, I'd be most excited about the one I would 
contemplate removing because I think that the redemption of who I am as a human being comes from that scene. And I will never forget the rawness of how I felt in that moment. I will never forget that I had an ability to actually hurt somebody that I would think myself incapable of hurting mm-hmm. emotionally. I don't, want, like, I don't want this to come off like I hit somebody. I've never hit a human being in my life. And so I'd be excited for that because I would be able to, I would be able to clearly explain the energy that was going into like how I was feeling now, mm-hmm. feeling so abandoned and lost and getting into a car and wondering like, where am I going? Mm-hmm. And feeling like my life is actually over, like feeling like I know I'm going to wake up tomorrow and I know I have to go to work and I know I have all this stuff, but like my, my feeling in my soul right now is that my life is over. It's, um, it's hard. So that would be, that should be in the movie. What's your superpower? I have the ability to instill confidence in people um, that they, that they are as good as I see them in that emotional moment, right? Mm -hmm. So when I meet somebody and I just get to know them, I think everybody does this, but we focus on, we focus on the good side of them. Like I'm seeing this, I'm seeing this, I'm seeing this. I'm an optimist at heart, right? Like I'll pick out your five best qualities and I become your cheerleader done this so many times in my life i become that cheerleader and i and i can build people up to a level where they feel empowered to go do things Mm -hmm. and then i fail or i just can't sustain the energy and it's like i went from being your number one cheerleader to i don't talk to you i'm an i'm an introverted person Mm -hmm. who has incredible extroverted tendencies yep but you can only be an extrovert if you have enough time to be an introvert and so i get in a room with um, 20 people and I'm telling them my story and like firing them up, like they all leave there. Like I'm really motivated. Like I do these things a couple times a year where I, I speak in front of groups of like 20, 30. Last year I did one where it was 2000 people. The reactions are always the same. People line up to talk with me afterwards and just like hug me and say, thank you. And like, I feel fired up. I got a message yesterday on Facebook, like a random stranger who read one of my posts. Was like my sister told me to go to your page to read this. And like, dumped her whole life story on it if i'm able to take that power and harness it correctly it has a really great has a really great effect what color do you identify or associate yourself with green why no idea you said what color and i said green what color green um like a grass green it's weird because i don't wear green Mm -hmm. i wear blue literally every day something renewing about the color green feels alive the time i feel most optimistic is spring Things are really starting to bloom. Leaves come back on the trees. And it's like, there's that renewing sense of like, oh, life. Green is life. I don't know. It's just always been green for me. You said what color. You didn't even need to finish the sentence. What color? Green. Interesting. What's something that most people don't know about you? I think what we just talked about is that I'm an introvert. I think most people just assume I'm not because of how much I share. Uh, I'm a share, right? An aggressive, aggressive share. That's just a byproduct of who I am at the time that the world existed, right? Social media came about when Jeff was coming about, right? And like figuring stuff out about himself. And it was just like, I have the ability, it goes back to that discernment thing, right? Like I, you'll never see me in a Facebook post, say something bad about someone, right? I can, I, I'm a human being. I have angry thoughts all the time. There are people that I find deplorable. I never say it. I would never be like, I can't believe you did this to me. Like, instead, I will go on Facebook and say, I'm very much struggling with this piece of my life right now where I felt flat on my face. And here's how I raised myself up. Mm-hmm. And the ability to do that, I mean, it shocks so many people. It's so crazy to me. Mm-hmm. And then when I meet somebody who's like me, I'm like, it's tough because I look at them like, are they real? Are they faking it? And that's like a mirror thing. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I'm looking at myself like, oh, that doesn't come off genuine. But I know I'm genuine. So that are they genuine? And 
I think that the ability to do that and the ability to, if you put 500 people in here and gave me a microphone and told me to talk about something and I had five minutes to research it, I'd get through an hour of talking about it, mm -hmm. make it up, mm -hmm. right? And I'd have the confidence to make you believe that I was right. Other than that, I'm an open book, right? I kind of tell, right? tell people like what I am. Yeah, I think the thing I like about the way I write uh, and the way I express myself on uh, social media is it's 100% real. Mm -hmm. um, I'm completely genuine. Um, and I've especially been more genuine over the last six months going through like the worst time of my life. Mm -hmm. And I felt almost a need to share. Listening back to the full interview, I found myself getting choked up because when Jeff first arrived, he mentioned that he was in the mood, that he was on. And then we started talking and I experienced Jeff take the armor off, take the moment to have a mirror held back up at him. Jeff makes mention during our chat about people seeing him and chatting about their dreams, their future, their projects. And that's because he's so incredibly gifted at seeing people, at holding the space and time. I distinctly recall messaging him while I was at work at the cusp of a mental breakdown. He was there for me. He sat with me in the middle of the sidewalk of a busy downtown intersection and listened to me sobbing as I was dealing with all of the stress of work of life, and all he did was listen and ask, how can I help you? How can I support you? What can I do for you today and tomorrow and the next week? And that's all I needed. I needed to be heard, to be seen. The Chromatic Voices podcast started as a way for you, the listener, to hear the voice that triggers the colorful manifestation within my senses, and the curious side of me wants to further explore everyone's color and voices. When I say voices, I mean more than just the sound coming out of your mouth, but your voices as in your stories. What choices have you made? Who are you? Where have you been? And where are you going? When I share with someone that I see a color when I hear their voice, the first question I get is, what's my color? And upon sharing the Pantone swatch, I get what does it mean, follow-up question. So here we are, exploring. What does it all mean?